0: Let the torch of freedom
1: burn. Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Wall Builders Live, where we're talking about today's hottest topics on policy, faith, other areas of the culture. Always looking at those hot topics from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. David Barton is with us. He's a America's premier historian and also the founder of Wall Builders, Tim Barton's with us, national speaker and pastor and president of Wallbuilders. and my name is Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator. Check us out at WallbuildersLive.com. if you want to know more about the program. You can actually even get archives of the program over the last few weeks and catch up on any programs that you might have missed. You can also get a list of stations around the nation as well. Then over at wallbuilders.com, our main website, there's a lot of great tools you're going to want to check out. You can download some of those. You can get the articles. You can get some of the MP3 and audios. Uh, But I really encourage you to check out the curriculum. Check out the tools that you can use to equip your family and yourself and even folks in your church or your community so that they understand what it means to be a citizen. They understand what it means to apply the founding principles to our nation today today and how to restore this wonderful constitutional republic that we enjoy. All of that available at wallbuilders.com and at either wallbuilders.com or wallbuilderslive.com. Be sure to check out that donate button, click on it, and make a contribution to make this program not only possible for you to hear, but for as many other people to hear it as well. Those donations, because we're a listener-supported program, are what make it possible for us to spread this good news and equip so many Americans. All right, David and Tim, we got Mike Ferris back with us today. Uh, he'll be on a little later in the program. We're going to be talking about some crazy laws coming out of California. Um, but I repeat myself: crazy in California. But anyway, so guys, I, I, you know the transgender issue continues to become one of those things that um, I, we just seem to have lost all common sense, lost our minds, and and uh, and now literally have states telling other states, "Oh, just send your kids to us, and uh, and 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 we'll transition them, uh, even children," and going against parental rights. So, man, these are these are big issues, fellas.
0: Yeah, Rick, it is indeed crazy stuff that's going on. And we've seen that now for a couple of years with school boards. You go back to Loudoun County, Virginia, Fairfax County, as stuff was going there with the gender stuff where a guy was claiming to be a girl and got in the girl's bathroom and raped girl. It's just it was crazy stuff. And, and parents said, wow, this is crazy stuff happening in these blue states. And then they found out it was happening in the red states as well. And then they found out it's happening even in the rural school districts, not just the big urban school districts. And so suddenly parents get really focused on school boards. And over the last 12 to 15 months, we have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of school boards literally flip over the issues of gender, some of it was CRT as well, but especially the sexualization of the kids and what's going on in the libraries and what's going on in the classrooms and the pronouns and the LGBTQIA+. I mean, that's just taken off and parents have been appalled and it's really interesting to see the reaction uh, of the schools you, you had the justice department where the president said hey we need to treat these parents like domestic terrorists and you actually had the justice department going into that formally saying yep if you're opposing what the school's doing with your kids you're a domestic terrorists so i mean it got to the point where there was a real clear uh division of worldview, and it became very clear that from the government side as far as they're concerned the the parents Exist only for birthing children for the purpose for the state to raise them it's parents that are not to raise the kids we'll do that in schools we'll do that with state laws we'll do that what's what's going on you guys go ahead and have all the kids you want and we'll raise them according to our worldview. and so you've really gotten into a clash over who's the parent is it actually the the those who bring the children into the world or is it the state is the state the parent that's going to raise them all and this is where you're seeing stuff like what we're seeing in california law that it's going to become a sanctuary state for any kid anywhere in America who wants to transition and they're in a state that won't let them or the parents don't want them to. You come to California and and we'll take care of that for you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw a headline that said uh, now even in California that if a child wants to transition and the parents oppose, that the state will take that child from the parents and raise that child the way the state believes it should be raised in, in, a, in a transitioning kind of viewpoint. So you, you've got a real clear conflict of parental rights, and this is a fairly— um, I don't want to say it's a new thing because this has gone on since the beginning
2: of time, but it's new in the courts for sure. Well, parental rights is not a new debate, right. but This this level is certainly significant because in California, where they're they're suggesting not just a hormone therapy, but an actual a a gender modification surgery. So so now we're talking about cutting off perfectly functionable and well functioning parts of the anatomy. And but like things that are 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 ludicrous for lots of reasons. But even backing up to the hormone, there's so many thoughts. It's getting convoluted in my head of which one to say first. But with this hormone stuff, what's also crazy is they say that there is no long term damage. There's no permanent damage from this. And yet, what we are now discovering is, you know what? There is in fact long term damage. That there is an official castration. That if a a boy wants to transition, to he will never become a girl. But right, wants to, and this make-believe world wants to become a girl and they take this, this castration kind of hormone therapy, well, that boy, if he decides he wants to actually live as a boy in the future, he will never be able to bear children based off of what this castration hormone therapy was. And the very audacity of some of these doctors and some of these politicians to say, no, there's there's no long term damage. And if they ever want to transition, if they want to detransition, then they can just come right back and they will not suffer any long-term consequences. There's no side effects. That that's utterly dishonest. And so whether it is through a medication, whether it's through a surgery, you are fundamentally changing these children's lives and at a place where I mean, again, so many levels of irony in this. I have a three-year-old daughter, and and she wanted to be a dinosaur last week. I'm not going to medically transition her to be a dinosaur. This is ridiculous. Children go through phases, and the idea that California is going to say, we're going to take whatever the whims of a child are, and we are going to encourage the whims of the child instead of saying, let's have an adult, let's have a grown-up in the room, and let's actually parent the child. Let's actually teach or coach the child based on what a parent, a teacher, a coach should do instead of encouraging and endorsing this nonsense, and that California is doing this, is we're we're saying ridiculous and ludicrous it's it's really more than that it's it's really evil fundamentally what it is it's rejecting the core of who god made them to be of god's design and god's plan and purpose and we know everything god made is on purpose and for a reason and california is saying yeah we're rejecting god rejecting god's design his plan and purpose and we will go in and surgically or through a a chemical through medication we will go in and change the structure physical structure the anatomy the the hormone processing. Child, that is evil.
0: And we've not only changed the way we view children, but we've also changed the way we view parents. There used to be what was called an age accountability. And if you were 13 years old and you did something, the parents were responsible for what the kid did because the parents are supposed to raise that kid to be a strong adult, which happens at the age of 18 is when you legally become an adult. That's when you can register to vote. That's when you can, you know, get certain guns, et cetera. So 18 was it, and parents were responsible. They're supposed to raise those kids and they're accountable to the society if they don't raise them the right way. They're the ones held accountable. And and so what's happened is that used to be the viewpoint. And one of the things we covered this year at at the legislators conference, wall builders legislators conference was parental rights amendments. This goes back to a Supreme court case in 1925. It was repeated by the Supreme court in 1943 and the Supreme court said, quote, It is the fundamental right of parents to direct the education and upbringing of their children. Now, that's the that, that's the essence of what we believed in America for nearly four centuries. It's the fundamental right of parents to direct the education of bringing their children. And now we're saying, no, that's a state's responsibility. That's a school's responsibility. That's the government's responsibility. So we're changing all this. So one of the things that we introduced this year for, for these legislators, I think we had them from 37 states, was they're carrying back home proposed legislation for parental rights amendment that essentially takes – the language of the Supreme Court cases and codifies it. Now, there was never a reason to codify this because it was the world view. So Mike Ferris, Mike's going to be with us here in a couple of minutes. Mike, through Alliance Defending Freedom, came up with this model language, because this is the stuff that they will defend in court. And we have a long string of court cases that defend the rights of parents and now the state's trying to become the parents. So this is crazy stuff. And particularly with, with uh, California becoming a sanctuary state, inviting kids in from any state, you leave your parents, you come here, we'll take care of you, we'll get you transitioned. Mike is the best one to speak about this because he's gonna be the one defending this in court. And they're the ones that drew the model legislation to protect parental rights. So if you're in a state, your state doesn't have this, contact Pro Family Legislators Network and we can get you that model legislation for parental rights amendment in your state. But every state needs this. Because this used to be something that's assumed, and no longer can you assume that parents have these rights.
1: Stay with us, folks. Mike Ferris, our special guest. You're listening to Wobblers.
2: This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. Many today assert that religion is something private, that it has no place in the public square and that it is incompatible with government. But the founding fathers believed exactly the opposite. They held that religion was absolutely necessary in order to maintain our free system of government. For example, John Adams declared, We have no government armed with power, capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. And signer of the Declaration, Benjamin Rush, similarly affirmed, Without religion, there can be no virtue, and without virtue, there can be no liberty, and liberty is the object and life of all Republican governments. The Founding Fathers understood that limited government required public morality from the people, and that public morality was produced by the Christian religion. For more information about the Founding Fathers' views on religion and public life, go to wallbuilders.com.
1: Welcome back to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. Thanks for staying with us here on Wall Builders. Mike Ferris back with us. Always good to have you, Mike. And uh, thanks for all the good work you're doing with Alliance Defending Freedom and with Convention of States and Patrick Henry and all the other things uh, that you're working on. Uh, so I know you got a crazy schedule. Appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk about this crazy bill out of California. Thanks for coming back on Wall Builders.
3: I'm glad to be with you. It's always a terrific... To talk to you, Rick. God
1: bless. Well, and, and sometimes we're talking about good, good news, and sometimes not so good news. Not so good news today. Uh, this one's insane, man. California basically inviting uh, kids from around the country to, to you know, come, to, come to California for transgender treatment, and then wants to uh, remove children from parents who aren't willing to give kids transgender treatment. Is this going to become, you know, essentially the the worst state in the in, in the country uh, with regard to parental rights?
3: Um, Yeah, at least they're vying for it. Others may try to tie them, but uh, this is just horrible. And uh, it's blatantly unconstitutional. Uh, I will almost certainly be involved in litigation to stop this. Uh, In California, the the right of parents to direct the upbringing of their children is one of the most basic fundamental rights in our our country. It's been recognized for Exactly 100 years now, the Meyer case is 100 years old, and the uh, California's uh, attempt here to undermine parental rights is out of touch with human nature, out of touch with even with international legal standards, which I don't believe should be applied in the United States, but you know, it's always interesting when they're more to the left than the UN is. Wow. Um, and so it's, it's, um, it's really a, a dangerous precedent, but Frankly, I don't think it will stand the test of litigation.
1: How does this one work? Will it will it be challenged in state court, federal court, both? We just fire all bullets we got. I mean, how do you approach this one?
3: Well, probably. I mean, it would depend. I mean, the, there there could arise some defensive litigation that becomes necessary if some parent gets charged under the statute uh, before the preemptive litigation can can take place then you may have to litigate that in state court. But the proactive challenges, at least the ones that I will be involved in, will almost certainly find their way into federal court.
1: And is it a, um, well, and of course, like you said, other states may try to tie them. So getting a, a, a federal suit here could be important, you know, from a national strategy, right? Exactly. Are, are there other states that have passed this or filed bills like this? Or are they totally out um,
3: there? No, the, to my uh, knowledge, California is all alone on this. So, So I I can see, you know, um, New York or Massachusetts or some other states uh, joining them uh, potentially. So
1: You've got a great finger on the pulse of this parental rights issue across the nation. I mean, that's clearly what has motivated a lot of people to get involved that were on the sidelines for a long time. And we saw that in the elections in Virginia and some places, even in the midterms in, in 2022, all the school board races across the nation uh you know not just the mama bears i mean i mean all the parents are are just saying enough is enough of the of the state uh through either the schools or in this case uh, legislation taking over our parental decisions um could this california bill actually cause even more of that not just in california but across the country actually cause more action by parents getting involved politically
3: there are a few things you can do to motivate people to act more than attacking their kids yeah and there would be so many people that feel like this is an attack on their children. I mean, uh, just think of the danger they're putting kids into saying, you know, flee to California. And, and who are they going to flee to? It's not like, you know, California, you know, is is a favorite aunt or uncle waiting to take them in. And, and you know, we'll watch over them generally while they, you know, do this horrible medical uh, child abuse on these kids. Uh, they're just coming and they're going to be living on the street mm. um, and, or, you know, in some government facility. That would never be good. E- either of those circumstances are just dangerous for children. And so um, I can see uh, litigation, if, if kids get harmed in this, which certainly someone will if if it's carried out, be um, multi-million dollar lawsuits for California's liability for just, you know, it's endangerment to children. It it is, it is the worst Pied Piper thing that I've ever heard. Mm. How,
1: how much, Mike, is the medical community at this point just – it just seems to me like they've lost it. They they, they just seem to have lost common sense and, and lack of respect. Is it an arrogance? Is it is it just a small part of the medical community? Is it the money? I mean, this is happening all over the place. I mean, Texas medical community is doing all kinds of crazy stuff on the child – transgender stuff. What, what do you think is happening there?
3: I think it, it is a, uh, a minority that think this is okay. I think the majority of doctors think it, that this is horrible. Mm. That even those that are, you know, staunchly in favor of LGBTQ rights think that this treatment of children is wrong, but they are so afraid of the medical establishment they're keeping their heads down, keeping their mouths shut. Mm. There's a few courageous doctors that are – and not all of them are Christians um, – that are willing to stand up and say, this is wrong. You should not be treating kids this way. Mm. And and so um, I, I, I mean, it's it's far from settled. And so the, their ability to, to argue that this is settled medical um, processes is, is nonsense, that they cannot successfully prove that this is the standard of care. This is highly experimental, highly dangerous, and the you know the old saying that they're trying to make into um, people to believe it is that uh, kids who don't go through these drastic medical procedures are more likely to commit suicide. The truth is, the study has shown exactly the opposite is true. The, the more kids are allowed to adjust um, and, and, and just grow out of this problem the much more likely they are to be happy, healthy, never to attempt suicide. And the people that are um, socially transitioned and or medically transitioned are are headed for a very dangerous path, including a, a strong increase in the likelihood of suicide. So they, they just lie to parents about, you know, they say it's you know, better to have a living son than a dead daughter if you have a daughter that wants to become a boy. That's just not true. It's better to let your daughter grow up, you know, treat her gently while she's working through this. Mm -hmm. But but, you know, time will cure this in the vast majority of cases. And and so especially the the cases that are induced by by, uh, you know, media and peer pressure. That's what's happening. That's right. uh, They're telling kids that they're villains because they're white. And so the only way that a white kid in the public schools these days can get out of the status of the oppressor villain category, is to become either gay or transgender. Wow. And now, all of a sudden, you're the honored victim. And so the the pressure that the schools are placing on these kids with the combination of critical race theory, critical gender theory, it's just devastating. And I, I would just say, any parent that's out there that's got their kids in the public schools, please, please get your kids out you yes. need to do something else this is just not safe for
1: kids and, and it's not you know mike a lot of times people hear us say that and they think well but that's if you're in you know some inner city or new york or a big city or whatever not in my town it's not it's happening at my little hometown of dripping springs it's happening i mean it's it's everywhere they they, they own the public school system at this point and it's infiltrated even those small towns
3: yeah i you know out of the sixteen thousand school districts in this country I doubt that there are 200 exceptions.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. L- last question, I kept you longer uh, than I probably should have. But on the on the medical thing, I mean, how quickly it changed. Wasn't it just, you know, what, maybe 20 years ago that that, that transgender was a, considered a, a mental issue and you got proper treatment for it, like you said, to get through that, work through those things? And now we're actually inviting kids, and as you said, not inviting, pressuring kids into this and and to doing medical procedures that um, you know will affect them for the rest of their life. I mean that's a that's a quick change, and it's because of not enough, in my opinion, enough doctors and pastors and others standing up and saying this is this is crazy. So the, to those silent doctors that don't want to stick their head up, we need them to, to speak up.
3: Yeah, we we do. Uh, we need everybody to stand up, and ultimately, I, I think if, if anything else, pastors need to stand up more than anybody else and lead the way. And encourage their congregation because the pastors, the lawyers, the parents, ones that we're not looking at are going to church. And they're to give them the, 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 the uh, intellectual defense for these ideas and the call to action to live out what they believe.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. Mike Ferris, God bless you, brother. Thanks so much for some time today. Thank you, Rick. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with David and Tim Barr.
2: Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity, if you're interested in having a wall builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com, and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on, and there's a section where you can request an event. To bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms, go to the WallBuilders website and bring a speaker to your area. This is
0: David Barton with another moment from America's history. Shortly after the American Revolution, America had become the envy of the world. It still remains a wonder of the modern world as 219 years later, America has become the longest ongoing constitutional republic in the history of the world. What was the foundation upon which our founding fathers established this great nation? According to John Adams, the foundation was Christianity. John Adams declared, The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Now I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. According to Founding Father John Adams, it was the principles of Christianity which formed the foundation for American government. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD.
1: back here on Wobblers. Thanks to Mike Ferris for joining us today and as David was telling us earlier in the program make sure your legislators know how important this legislation is in your particular state and get that information from the Pro Family Legislators Network. Uh, David and Tim of course you know Mike's been dealing with this stuff for decades and decades through the homeschool movement through Patrick Henry through Alliance Defending Freedom so it's great to have somebody that knows what they're doing in this fight and I was glad to hear him say it'll ultimately be a federal suit so it's not just you know California we got to stop them from doing this anymore but we got to stop other states from passing this crazy stuff too.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a fight that has to be fought. And, and I think we'll probably win it based on the way the courts have been and based on who's on the Supreme Court now. We probably win it. But nonetheless, we shouldn't be having this fight anyway. This is crazy. And there were two things that really struck me with, with what Mike said. Hey, if you think you're in a safe school district because you're out in the country, he said of 16,000 school districts, there's probably less than 200 that haven't gone on this kind of woke agenda in schools. And that's a shocking number. I mean, that's really, really, really big. I think it's probably... Probably
2: right. And it's important, too, for parents to recognize that that doesn't mean everybody in the school supports this agenda. Because so many people are like, no, 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 but I know these teachers, they're really good. There can be really good teachers in a really bad program or a bad district. There might be a really good superintendent, and you're going, no, right? Our superintendent's so good. You might have a great superintendent, and you might have a bunch of woke teachers who are supporting this nonsense under the table. The reality is this is a ideology that has infiltrated these government-run schools, and it's ideology largely supported by the government. That's why it's in those schools. And as Mike pointed out, this is something that, right, if if the sole the, the mind, the will, the emotions of your child, your student is at stake. It is far better to protect them and keep them safe than leave them in a place where they're going to be having this nonsense poured into them over and over and over.
0: The other thing I thought Mike said was so important was he said the most important voice in this debate is going to be pastors. And that is a really significant statement. And I I totally agree with that. I agree with that even more than the voice of parents in this is the voice of pastors. Because if you go back to John 10, Jesus talks about the difference between a shepherd and pastors are often called shepherds. And that's, that's what they're known in the scripture. They're shepherds. They're leading the flock. They're guiding the flock. There's a difference between what Jesus calls shepherds and hirelings. A shepherd is someone who sees the danger that's coming and will throw himself in front of the flock to keep that danger away. He will herald. He is the loud watchman on the wall. And a hireling is someone who sees a danger coming and doesn't want to get involved in something dangerous and just goes silent and runs off in a different direction. And I think a lot of churches are trying to avoid this kind of conflict. You can't and be a shepherd. If you're a shepherd, you
2: got to get out there and face the danger and call it out. And let's point out, too, this is not saying that every pastor, our challenge is not every pastor should get up and give a sermon on why transgenderism is evil, although that we, would it, be a it is deal. accurate, right? <laughs> That's but the right. reality is, if pastors just began teaching proactively what the Word of God says, that that in the beginning, he made them male and female. Well, let's talk about what, why did God make male and female? Why are male and female important in society? And, and why did God choose male and female? If we just start teaching proactively what the Bible says, it actually can resolve much of this problem. The reason Christians are confused is because they haven't been trained on so many areas properly what the Bible does say. So for pastors... You don't have to be the really, really aggressive person out there taking this on at the very core of this, although, again, it would be great. However, if we just started simply teaching what the Bible does teach and why God made it that way and why it was important and what what male and female represent and what their role are and what they do, if we started giving better context, even of what the truth of Scripture teaches us, it could help resolve a lot of these problems along the way.
1: We encourage you to click on that donate button and take the opportunity to come alongside us and become a financial partner of ours. That helps us spread the word, helps us get this program on more stations out there. It allows us to do more of the training of pastors and young people and legislators and put out more material that helps equip and inspire folks. You know, we got the largest private collection of Founding Fathers documents in the world. We have these great resources, and we want to get those into as many hands as possible, and your donations help that become possible. So be sure and go to wildbuilderslive.com today, click on that Donate button, and it'll help get this message out, training Americans and equipping them and inspiring them. To do their part as citizens. Everybody doesn't have to give all of their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor, but we all need to give a little bit of each of those three things in order to preserve this great nation for future generations. Thanks so much for listening to Wall Builders Live.